Well, happy first day of the year, everybody. Not, no, that's not right. That's, I, got it, I got it right in first service. Happy last day of the year. How about that? Uh, happy New Year's Eve, everybody. I hope you had a Merry Christmas this past week uh, and enjoyed celebrating the holiday, however your family does that. Uh, if you were here for one of our Christmas Eve services, or not Christmas Eve, Christmas services, getting it all wrong, um, this past week, uh, on your way out the doors, we gave everybody one of these tea candles uh, to take with you and burn on Christmas Day or at another point in the week, just as a reminder of Jesus' presence with you. So I hope many of you were able to do that. Uh, I've lit one here this morning for us, just for a reminder that as we're here together, uh, that Jesus is here and present with us. Well, uh, here at the end of the year, it's uh, pretty common uh, to take some time and reflect and look back on the previous year and think about, hey, what went well? What didn't go well? What are some things that I did that I really enjoyed doing? Things like that, and maybe even surprises. Can I tell you a surprise that I got this year? Thank you. <laughs> Uh, this is from the day after Thanksgiving. I took this picture right before the officer walked up to the side of my car. I sent it to my family and I said, it's good to be home. <laughs> like Perry Como says, there's no place like home for the holidays, right? Well, the officer came to my car uh, and said the reason that he pulled me over was he ran my plate and noticed that I had a suspended license. Surprise. He went on to tell me that my license had been suspended for 20 months. Surprise! <laughs> and he asked me if I knew uh, about that. I did not. So he went on to ask, uh, hey, were you in an accident uh, 20 months ago? Uh, I've been in one accident as a driver in my life. When I moved to, uh, uh, to Noblesville from Tennessee in 2021, I couldn't find work in ministry at that time. Uh, so I took a job uh, with Cintas uh, in Lafayette as a route service sales representative. So I drove a sizable truck, uh, and for most of that time, I did awesome. But I had one accident about 20 months ago, and I was at fault. Um, and uh, in that accident, uh, I was in a packed parking lot. And uh, I had made a really skillful move of backing up the vehicle into a tight parking spot, hit nobody, it was great. Service my customer. On the way out, though, uh, I'm making a right turn out of my parking spot, and the bumper swung out to the left and collided with the vehicle on my left. That was a long day. Um, I don't know if you've been in an accident before, but if, you, if you're in a work accident, it's like there's even more complexity to it. So it was a long day, but I did everything I had to do. And by the end of the day, I with my employer, and they tell me, look, you've done everything we need you to do. We'll take care of it from here. And they did. But there seemed to have been a clerical error at some point in the process uh, in settling that because that accident I was in, my suspended license went back to that accident. Um, and the officer was, was kind and generous toward me. He didn't give me a ticket, but he told me that I would need someone to come pick me up and that someone would have to come and drive my car home two hours away. Great. <laughs> All right. So that's what happens. My mom came and picked me up. Thanks, mom. My dad picked up my car. Thanks, dad. <laughs> But I'll tell you, at that time, I was embarrassed, I was confused about what was happening exactly, and I was, I was frustrated. I'll tell you, in, in those moments, I was not especially aware of Jesus' presence with me. 
Well, if you've been with us uh, for the last few weeks in our Christmas series, we've been talking about the joy of Christmas, that through Jesus, God has come to be with us. And this comes from a prophecy made 700 years before uh, Jesus was born from the prophet Isaiah. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. In this series, we looked at uh, the stories of a few people around the time of Jesus's birth who encountered Jesus and were transformed by his presence. As we bring this with so uh, series to a close this morning, we want to focus even more on Jesus' presence with us today. To do that, we're going to jump from the opening chapters of Luke's narrative to the very last chapter. And we're going to look at one more story, this time of two people who also encounter Jesus' presence. Um, and draw parallels between their lives, their challenges, and ours. If you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we have a table in the back of the room. There's Bibles there. It's, uh, take one if you want. It's our gift to you. Uh, or you can follow along with the verses uh, on our screens. We're going to start with verse, uh, verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. All right, we're jumping into the middle of a longer story, so we need to answer a few questions before we move on. First, what day is it? It's the same day referenced in verse one of, uh, of this chapter in Luke. It's resurrection day. This account happens the same day that Jesus rose again, sealing his victory over death. Secondly, who are these two? These are two of Jesus' disciples. They weren't part of the inner 12 that we know the most about. Uh, what we do know is that they were with the 11 and other disciples that morning when news of Jesus' resurrection was reported by some of the women, but they didn't believe the report. And thirdly, what are they talking about? They're talking about the events of the last week, Passion Week. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday as people cried out, Hosanna, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe they talked about the Last Supper, the confrontation in the Garden of Gethsemane when one of their fellow disciples, Judas, betrayed Jesus. Maybe they talked about his trials and, of course, his death. And then the report that day of some women who'd been to the tomb that his tomb was empty and the angel said that he was alive. But neither the women nor Peter nor anyone else had actually seen Jesus. Now we're on the same page. Let's continue on from there. Verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? So here are these two disciples uh, walking and processing through a very eventful week in Jerusalem. Then Jesus, who they just think is a total stranger, walks up and interrupts their conversation. And when Luke writes that they were kept from recognizing Jesus, Luke's just telling us that God was up to something. But their failure to recognize that it was Jesus who was present with them raises a question for us. How aware are you of Jesus' presence with you? For some of us, Jesus' presence may be palpable, real and distinguishable as me or the person sitting nearest you. And not just here when our church gathers together, but at your home and at your work and out in our community, you know that Jesus is with you. For some of us, maybe Jesus' presence with you may be more obscure, real but somewhat evasive. 
Maybe it's discernible in worship and in small groups uh, or when you're studying God's word or when a specific prayer request is answered, but his presence is harder to recognize in most of everyday life. And for some of us, I imagine Jesus' presence with you may be unfathomable, seemingly non-existent. These two disciples, as we're about to see, were in a state of confusion and sorrow, and they could not see that Jesus was with them. As we close out 2023, maybe you can resonate with the two disciples in our passage today. Maybe your year hasn't gone the way that you expected it to or that you hoped that it would. Maybe you hope for a hallmark year in your family, but you lost a loved one that you didn't expect to. You couldn't get pregnant. You pursued a relationship, but they withdrew from you. Maybe you had high hopes for your work, but the new job that you had such high hopes for has been a nightmare. Your business was bad. An opportunity that you've been pursuing for a long time fell through. Or maybe your finances aren't where you thought they'd be. Instead of adding significantly to your savings, you've dug deep into it. As your expenses have gone up, your income hasn't been able to keep up. Or maybe your health has struggled. You relapsed with an addiction or you got bad news from a doctor. Or maybe for you, it's something else, but this year has not been the year that you hoped and expected it to be. And now you're walking along, trying to make sense of everything that has happened. And maybe you're looking for Jesus to make himself known to you, but you can't see him. It can be hard to carry on when you don't see that Jesus is with you, or maybe not in the way that you have before. As followers of Jesus, can we trust and believe that just as Jesus was present with these two disciples, though they couldn't see him, he is also present with us. Back to our story. Luke, uh, look at how uh, Jesus approached these two disciples. He showed up in an unexpected way with a simple question. What are you talking about? And it stops these two on their tracks. They can't believe that someone coming from Jerusalem missed all that had happened there this past week. Look at how Cleopas, one of the two, answered Jesus' question. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? If only he knew who he was talking to. Jesus probably smiled when Cleopas said this because he had a pretty good idea of what had happened there. His response is amusing too. What things? Jesus kind of plays dumb. And as a result, these two disciples start to tell Jesus his own story. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So in response to Jesus' question, these two disciples explained their understanding of things. They even said that they had hoped that Jesus would redeem Israel. They had hoped that he was the promised Messiah that Isaiah had spoken about 700 years before. These disciples understood that Jesus was special, 
that he was sent from God and that God was doing something extraordinary through his life and ministry. Amazing things were happening. But they couldn't understand how God was doing anything when Jesus died and when he wasn't found alive three days later. They couldn't see it. They couldn't see him. And in the same way, we may be aware of Jesus' presence in our lives when life is going good, when the evidence is there. But like these disciples, when our hopes and expectations come unraveled or life just seems to blow up in our face, we can miss him. We may even believe that Jesus is not with us. Where have you missed Jesus' presence in your life? And what areas of your life are you having a hard time perceiving that Jesus is with you? We may miss Jesus uh, in the mundane, ordinary moments of our lives. We may miss his presence with us in our struggles, in our challenges. So my suspended license. After Thanksgiving with my family, uh, my wife Abby drove uh, our family back home to Noblesville and my brother-in-law kindly drove my car back home to Noblesville for us. I walked to and from church that Sunday morning. It was cold. I called the BMV on Monday. They're closed on Mondays. I got a ride to the BMV on Tuesday and they informed me, uh, they couldn't really help me very much in person, but I did learn that the infraction against my license was a no insurance accident. Well, that's wrong. Uh, CentOS prefers to insure their vehicles. So I knew something was wrong. I should be able to get my money back. So I tried to pay the fine. It's $250. I don't want to do it, but hopefully I'll get it back. But the strip on my card wouldn't work. So I couldn't pay it. So I call Abby. She comes and picks me up. And uh, I tell her what I, that I tried to pay the fine. And then we decided that I shouldn't pay the fine. We needed the money. And uh, I should just continue to walk where I needed to go or get rides. You know how... We decide things. <laughs> I got in touch with the BMV customer center and obtained instructions of what needed to be done to be able to resolve the matter. And they told me that I would need to collaborate and work together with my former employer to settle my, and get my license reinstated. So for the next two weeks, I exchanged phone calls, emails, text messages with the BMV and with my former employer to figure this thing out. And in the meantime, I either walked to and from where I needed to go or I got rides from some of you in this room, <laughs> staff and friends, a student. <laughs> I'll tell you, those two weeks, I wasn't always keenly aware of Jesus' presence with me. I didn't always see it. Where have you missed Jesus' presence with you? As followers of Jesus, can we trust and believe that Jesus is present with us in all of our circumstances. Back to the story. So these two disciples revealed to Jesus their hopelessness because he had died. So Jesus, as if to say, you don't get it. He calls out their misunderstanding. Verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all of the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. All right, I don't need, know who needs to hear this this morning. We have kids in the room, but Jesus is not calling these disciples morons. That is not a Christ-like thing. That's not what's going on. 
With foolish and slow of heart, Jesus is drawing attention to their gap in understanding, which comes from their failure to embrace the ways of God. They knew the stories of Moses and, Isaiah, and prophecies from Isaiah and others that a Messiah would one day come to redeem God's people. But they had misunderstood how. And perhaps in their hearts, there was an unwillingness to believe that God would save his people another way. And that's why they missed what God was doing when Jesus died. Why do we miss Jesus' presence with us? Why may we overlook Jesus' presence with us in our everyday ordinary moments? Why may we miss his presence with us in our struggles and in our challenges? I wonder if it's because, like the disciples, we misunderstand how Jesus is present with us. We hope that his presence means that our relationships will flourish, that we'll succeed in our work, enjoying it and being rewarded that we'll have more than enough money, that we and our loved ones will be healthy and strong and free of disease. We may hope that his presence means a lot of things, but if in our hearts, there's an unwillingness to believe that Jesus' presence with us means something else, then we will miss his presence in those areas of our lives when things don't go like we hoped. As followers of Jesus, can we trust and believe that Jesus is present with us even when things don't go how we hoped? Back to the story. At this point, uh, Luke says that Jesus went all the way back uh, to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis, and then worked his way through Israel's history and their scriptures to show these two disciples what God had been up to all along. Bible scholar N.T. Wright says this about Jesus' response. He said his answer to be sure was a radical redefinition of the redemption of Israel. It brought the entire expectation into a new focus. The story of the Bible as a whole had been rushing forward toward the events of his death and resurrection. For weeks we've been talking about the fact that the name Emmanuel means God with us. It's only used three times in the entire Bible, twice in the book of Isaiah, and then once in the book of Matthew where he's quoting Isaiah. But the evidence of God's desire to be with his people can be found on every single page. From the very moment that Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, God had a plan to be with his people. And what Jesus made clear here on the road to Emmaus was that now there is a way for God to be with his people because of Jesus' finished work. Now, by the time Jesus finished the most awesome, mind-blowing Bible study, the group had reached Emmaus. And Luke tells us that it was evening, but Jesus acted as if he was gonna continue on in his journey in the night until these two invited him to stay with them. And this was a normal custom in the first century just because of the dangers of traveling by foot at night. But I think there's something more behind this invitation than just being a decent first century Jew. Though they didn't know it was Jesus who was with them, they knew they wanted to spend as much time as they possibly could with this man. So they held tightly to him. They begged him to stay with them. What's gonna happen next? Jesus is staying with them. Well, we find the climax of Luke's story. Verse 30. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, 
and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now this is the first meal that's recorded after the resurrection. And while that may not sound like it's a big deal, it actually is. So what's so important about this meal on the day that Jesus rose from the dead? To answer that question, we have to go back to the first meal recorded in scripture in Genesis chapter three. Verse six, we see this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. Did you catch that? She took the fruit, she ate the fruit. She gave some to her husband, he ate the fruit and then they realized they were naked. Separation from God, death and decay can be traced all the way back to this moment of rebellion. That moment when this couple decided not to trust God. From that moment on, all of creation was subject to decay, sorrow, and hopelessness. But that evening in Emmaus 2000 years ago, we find the first meal of the new creation. Jesus has defeated death. God's new creation exploding with life and joy and new possibilities has burst in on this world filled with death, decay, and sorrow. The two disciples learned that Jesus is alive and that Jesus was with them that whole time. And by the way that he narrates the story, Luke is making us aware that because of Jesus, the effects of Adam and Eve's sin and ours has been overcome so that God's people can be with him again, just like he had planned. And we look forward to the fulfillment of this and we are physically with Jesus forever. And the apostle John gives us a glimpse of this in Revelation chapter 21. He writes, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. In the same way that the ancient Israelites looked forward to the promised Messiah to come, we as followers of Jesus today look forward to this day that when Jesus will come again and we will be with him. But as followers of Jesus are being with Jesus is not only our future expectation, it is our current reality. Here's what we want you to know or remember today. Jesus is, with, is present with his people through his spirit all the time. Jesus told his disciples, uh, John records, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He goes on to say, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And elsewhere, as he's about to ascend into heaven at the end of his ministry, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Jesus is present with his people all the time through the Spirit. That's what we want you to know. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's just one thing I want to challenge you to do again and again and again, moment after moment. Invite Jesus' presence into your life. Invite Jesus' presence into your life. We've already said Jesus is present in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. So what do I mean? Ask Jesus to give you an awareness of his presence in your life. Once more, a little bit about my suspended license. After two weeks, I knew what needed to be done. I'd figured it out. I'd had enough conversations. I knew what it would take. I was just waiting to hear back from my former employer about a document I had sent them that I needed them to sign. Um, one day I got a call while here in the offices, so I stepped out of the offices. It was someone at my former employer's office, and uh, they told me they had the form, but they were going to need to send it to their corporate's uh, legal department because it was a legal document. But they had some doubts about it because um, I was no longer employed there. I'd already been walking to and from places for two weeks. I'd been asking for rides begrudgingly from friends, family, others. I wasn't really enjoying that. And I already had a stress-induced headache this day. You know when it feels like your brain is swollen and your head is just pounding? I'd fumbled something earlier, apparently, uh, with my son Andy's health insurance. And so it was inactive, and we really wanted to get him seen. And I was trying to figure out so we could do that. And now... They're telling me that they don't think they're going to be able to help me. <laughs> when I know, I know that's what needs to be done and they can do it. Well, I respond as patiently and understandingly as I can, impressing that I'm confident this is what they can do. We hang up the phone and I'm overwhelmed. I'm frustrated. And so I just feel like I need to let it out a little bit. And uh, I kind of made a low growl or groan. I don't know what it was. It was, Argh! take a deep breath. <sighs> I felt a little bit better. <laughs> I take steps back toward the office. And the first thing I see uh, as I'm taking those steps is our Gen Kids director, Victoria, leaning over her desk, looking out the door at me with a concerned look on her face. <laughs> I wasn't aware of Jesus' presence with me in those moments. After that, I walked home for lunch. And as I'm walking, um, I was reminded of Jesus' presence with me. I don't know what reminded me. It was raining gently. Um, I don't know if it was the birds in the sky, but somehow I was reminded of his presence. And as I was reminded of that, I just invited Jesus into those circumstances. Did that settle anything at that time? Yes, but not what you might expect. My license wasn't reinstated for nine more days after that. Well, the immediate result was in my spirit. As I invited Jesus into those circumstances in my life, as stressed and overwhelmed as I was, peace came in, perspective came in, and I saw my troubles as light and momentary and privileged as they were. So for you, invite Jesus' presence into your life, into your circumstances. Whatever it is, invite him into that. Invite Jesus to give you eyes 
to see him in every area of your life and perhaps especially in those areas where you find it most difficult to see him. Ask him to give you a soft heart to receive and accept his presence in your life as it is, not only as you prefer it to be. Ask Jesus to give you faith to trust. He is present even when you feel like he is not. Tomorrow's the first day of 2024 and we all likely have hopes for what this new year will bring. But as followers of Jesus, we don't have to wait for a new year, a new month, a new week, or even a new day for hope. We can find hope in the truth that through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is with us now. And that changes everything. That brings so much hope for the present moment. And because of Jesus' finished work, we will be with him forever. And that should give us hope. I wanna pray for us, uh, invite Jesus' presence into our lives. But to do that, I, I wanna ask you guys, if you're willing to anyway, I wanna take a prayer posture. We did this at Move over the summer. Um, but would you, if you're willing to, as we pray, extend your hands out in front of you. This is just a posture of receiving. Um, so would you, would you put your hands out like that as, as we invite Jesus' presence into our lives? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. That through him and through his finished work on the cross, that death has been defeated, that sin has been overcome, and that we may be with you. God, may help us to believe, if we have trouble believing it, that you are present with us now if we are following you. God, give us the eyes to see your presence in our lives, especially in those places where we find it most difficult to see you right now. God, give us a soft heart to receive your presence in our life uh, as you are and not only as, as we might want it to look like. God, give us faith to believe that you are present with us here now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.